in terms of sorry it's cool that's very that, that's, new york city environment that. there i absolutely love that i did not love it when i was filming and i was out <laughs> in public and i was like it's an apocalypse people can't you be quiet for 10 minutes to get this scene uh, that was definitely very frustrating uh, <laughs> to keep like clearly not apocalypse survivors out of shots when we had to do the exteriors <laughs> we were filming in the middle of prospect park in like awesome. spring and summer it was you know beautiful locations yeah. but very hard to sort of keep it locked down in terms of what we needed the yeah. look of the, of the show to be <laughs> that was cool. that See, was I definitely love that kind of hard stuff. yeah that's yeah, what makes it fun, though, doesn't it? I mean, that's... Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, it's definitely fun once you've kind of thought about it. But, like, at the moment, you're you're just like, I just need to film this scene because, you know, two of my extras are getting antsy and one of my actors has to leave <laughs> exactly. by 2.30. And, right. like, I have I have exactly 45 minutes to get, like, eight pages of scripts filmed. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody needs to calm down and leave me alone. And I, for sure, think it's important for every writer to be on a set at some point to kind of really understand, like, yeah, this one page of dialogue, you know, might have taken you a day or two to write but like actually watching it come to life there are so many things that you don't consider when you're yes, just a writer a great point. there are so many parts of the process that like you cannot even fathom and it completely changes the way you write once you see what goes into it in some ways for the good and in some ways you know for the not so good yeah. but I, I do think it's a valuable experience for a writer to sort of see how something goes from page to completion and like see every stage of that and like truly understand like what the process is welcome to the cinema after dark podcast I'm Max Cole, the host and producer of this podcast, and I'm broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set, and that lovely moonlight is now upon us. Thanks so much for joining me on this podcast episode tonight. I want to remind all of you that you can listen to all the episodes of this podcast if you would be so kind to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, make sure they reach out to me via the contact link on our website. Please make sure you have some skin in the game, though, prior to reaching out to us. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. We require that there for credibility purposes. We also need to have something to speak about also strongly encourage you to follow us though on twitter at cinema after dark for the latest show updates remember this is an information and discussion based podcast we don't censor ourselves and we sure the hell do not censor our guests so please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast may not reflect the views and opinions of the host my goodness am i excited to be back on the microphone i've been away for a little bit handling some film business there but it's good to be back but we've got a wonderful guest for you by the name of brie castellini and let me tell you a little bit about miss castellini brie castellini is a writer and filmmaker based in new york city with a bachelor's degree in creative writing and an mfa it's a master's degree in writing and producing for television she created, produced, and wrote an award-winning zombie series titled Brains, as well as produced the sci-fi time travel series Relativity. Her short film script Ace and Anxious won Best Short Screenplay at the New York Short Film and Screenplay Competition, and the film itself will be her directorial debut, which is coming soon. Now... 
She exclusively makes friends on Twitter, so make sure you friend her. This is a wonderful discussion here, and my gosh, this is that part of the show where you know what to do. Make that fresh batch of popcorn. Ah, oh, God, I can smell it right now. Sit back, relax, and get comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest. Oh my goodness, my goodness, have we got a cool guest here with us this evening, Miss Bree Casolini. My goodness, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Max. Oh my God, it is my pleasure. And ooh, we've got some things, some good things, those film things, those creative <laughs> things to discuss here. I'm looking forward to it. And I guess we'll give our listeners some context so they know who the hell you are and what you're up to and how you got into this thing. So let's talk about where you were born and raised and how you got started in this crazy entertainment and film industry. Yeah. So I was born in Seattle, Washington, but I was raised in a, a little town called Grand Junction, Colorado, mm. right next to Utah. So essentially Utah. Lived there my whole life. I consider it my hometown since it's where I spent most of my life. I went to college in Oregon and then moved out to New York City, where I currently am for graduate school. I have an MFA in writing and producing for television. But uh, before that, I was just a pretty much straight up prose writer, novels, short stories, that kind of thing. And I decided to become a screenwriter slash filmmaker because because I was listening to another podcast called the Nerdist Writers Panel. Oh, yes. um, and it, yeah, I love that podcast. And I was just listening to it casually because I liked TV so much. And I was listening to these people talk about the experience of like becoming screenwriters and the experience of being in a writer's room and writing serialized content. And I, I was listening to this podcast and I was like, oh, my God, they're saying all the things I like about writing and they don't have to deal with any of the stuff that I don't like. <laughs> what am I doing? I need to be a screenwriter because I always hated like descriptions. Like I hated doing descriptions. A, a writing teacher of mine once told me that I had really funny writing and really distinct characters, but it was like they were all talking in a dark room because mm. I really, I just wanted to do the dialogue. I, you know, and I, and I cared about the plot and stuff, but like I cared more about what the characters were doing in the plot, you know, more so than like the way that they looked or the way that the rooms looked and like oh, what yeah. they were doing. Right. right. So I, I realized that my, my style was much more sort of lent towards screenwriting. And so I, I made a slight shift, applied to one graduate school, just kind of like, eh, why not? And got into the one graduate program that I applied to and was like, I guess I'm moving to New York City and becoming a filmmaker. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's what landed me here. That's interesting. And what's crazy about that was, you know, I remember listening to an interview of yours and you had said that you didn't want to go to grad school, but mm -mm. did you end up actually finding it to be beneficial and worth the cost of attendance because, you know, these costs for school, because, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are like, <laughs> holy shit, like, how in the hell can I afford to pay for this crazy education? And uh, yeah, is it worth it so far? I mean, obviously, it's pretty fresh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> very, very fresh. Less than yeah. a year. Yeah. I will say that. I am in a lot of student debt. <laughs> Just put that right out there. I'm going to be in debt until I die. Yeah, it's Whatever brutal. that is. Yeah. Even if I die at 30 or 80, oh still my. be in debt. Does not Yikes. matter. <laughs> uh, 
the best thing like, you know, and, and my grad program was wonderful for a lot of reasons, but the best thing that my grad school did was force me to move to New York City and meet other filmmakers and other writers. Because most of, you know, the, the jobs and the connections and the, and the opportunities that you get in the industry are just because of who you know. And so just coming here and meeting people by virtue of we were all in the same class was hugely important. You know, my mm, yeah. web series that we'll talk about in a little bit was entirely made possible by friendships that I made through my program. They, our first season was almost exclusively produced and acted by people who were in my class or the classes above or below me. So yeah, looking forward to talking about that. But one of the things that I wonder about that is, could you have done it differently? Like if you had to rewind right now, say you were able to utilize the money that you used for grad school to meet folks or to move to a city and just to network do you think it would have mm -hmm. still been equally as possible i don't i mean partially yeah. because you know I, I didn't take any of my my real life money to go to grad school it's literally 100 loans so so that money wouldn't have existed either way now it's just money that i owe uh but also <laughs> honestly like you know it, New York City is a very expensive city to live and LA is a very expensive city to live and the you know the small town that I was going to school in in Oregon that's where you know my partner is from that area so we probably would have just stayed there and I would have maybe tried to apply to some of the fellowships you know writers on the verge and yeah things like that but ultimately I probably wouldn't have made the shift to indie filmmaking, which I did since I've been here because I, you know, met more film school people probably would have just continued to sort of write scripts and or stories in a vacuum work, right. you know, a, a pretty basic job barista or working for my, my old university. And, uh, and I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to do networking because I feel like I'm a very introverted person. And so networking is hard for me anyways. But mm, yeah. what allows me to, the ability to do it while I'm here is because I already know a couple of people. And so once you know a couple, it's like it's sort of like jumpstarts you. It gets you started on the path of networking. You sort of learn what questions you need to ask and what kinds of interactions make the most sense for the type of person you are and the type of career you're looking for. And I, I genuinely don't think I would have done that had I not been in this in this program. The program itself wasn't as much of a writing focused program as I would have liked or as I at least as, as I would have expected. Oh, but it, yeah. it did give me the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people in the industry and a lot of different people my age who were doing similar things or wanted to do similar things to me. And so all of us just sort of being there and always having to think about the television industry and the film industry and like being together so much sort of helped me with like a vocabulary, which was really important because, you know, I, I had taken a single film class in college. I had yeah. never taken like, and it wasn't even like a, a, you know, a history class or like a vernacular class. It was some kind of random extracurricular class. Mm, and, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. but moving here forced me to sort of learn the vocabulary of the industry, not just for set, but just all around, like knowing what to say, to speak intelligently about, you know, every part of the process of film and i i wouldn't have learned that otherwise you know it wouldn't have come as naturally because there wasn't really an industry in the area that i was in prior to new york interesting did you have to do internships or anything like that as part of your uh mm -hmm. did you do anything that uh, kind of stuck out i did well i actually so we, we had to do one internship to to get the degree and uh, my internship ended up actually getting me a job i interned in the research department at mtv oh cool yeah so i i interned at mtv for a semester and it was really really great and i met a lot of great people and because of my experience in web series i sort of became like the go-to person in the department for like any kind of 
YouTube-based or uh, web series-based information and research. And then I got a temp gig out of that. So for about six months, I worked on the same floor as I did my internship at, but for the former president now of MTV, Sean Atkins, Mm -hmm. uh, I worked as a temp in his office and did a bunch of sort of random assistant style things. And then from there, yeah, because, you know, it was a temp gig. It wasn't going to last forever. And because I had made a lot of friends in that department and they knew that I was doing digital stuff, they got my resume in front of the, the SVP of digital video at nice. MTV at yeah. a totally separate office. And uh, I ended up becoming an associate producer for digital development at MTV. Oh, that's very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So that internship definitely led to that. That opportunity is ending soon, but because uh, I was a contract worker. And so, you know, my yeah. contract's coming to a close, but it's been an incredible opportunity. And, you know, I, I got the job offer for becoming an associate producer at MTV, literally the day, the final day of my grad program on the last day of school, I got a job offer (laughs) in the industry and it was unbelievable. So that's that's another thing my program definitely enabled me to do is get the internship that got me my first real industry job. Oh, that's awesome. It's cool too, to kind of give, I think folks that might be listening to this that, you know, haven't been able to work in the industry, kind of a chronological order of sort of how things can play out too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can keep your passions and still work within the industry in different ways, too, in different departments. And that is cool. And in the skills that you learn, you can utilize those, too, to make some cash. So you can can make these daggone films. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, That's really awesome. By the way, kind of rewind a bit here. When was the Mm -hmm. point you realized you wanted to do this whole film thing kind of professionally? Because obviously there's having fun and doing this, you know, back home or, you know, with Mm -hmm. friends. But when did you realize that you wanted to really do it professionally, like write for TV? Honestly, once I made the decision after listening to the podcast, like as soon as I started applying to things, I I made that decision. But I don't think it solidified until I got into my grad program, you know, because with fellowships, I could have gotten rejected and then just said, all right, well, I'll, I'll try again next year. But until then, I'll keep working on my novel or I'll keep working on poetry or something. But once I got especially, yeah, once I realized right before, like, so it was a couple of days before New Year's in 2013, mm-hmm. one of the last things of that year is that I got accepted into the program that I went to in uh, September of 2014. Once I knew I was going to be moving to New York, I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, nice. moving to New York, uprooting my entire life and going even more into debt for like a whim. Gotcha. Like if I'm going to yeah. move to New York and go to this program and get an MFA in writing and producing for television, I will be damned if I am not working in the television industry or oh, in yeah. the, <laughs> the entertainment industry. Right. So you were all in, right? Yep. I, I once that. that decision was made, I was like, yep, no going back now. Right on to that. Now we are an indie film show, so I've got to ask you what types mm-hmm. of movies do you like to watch? And do you have any favorite movies, TV shows that you've watched recently? Are you a Walking recently. Dead fan now that you I are? I am not. What? <laughs> oh, no, I hate The Walking Dead. Oh, we don't have to talk about that because it's going to be a problem. My. I know I don't. I yeah, watched a season want, and a half of it in like loud. two days. Oh, I don't care. Come at me, <laughs> Walking Dead fans. Oh my God. It's such a I good show. Care. I can't believe you. Oh, it's got, oh, it gets man. and it picks up and it gets so good. Oh, I mean, it is so I watched good right a season now. and a half, man. Like I, I committed some time to it. And then I was like, everyone is just not having a, like, it's so just such a downer. Like I know it's an apocalypse show, but like, geez, you everyone need, is so drug. You know addict. what? So you need to, uh, it gets, oh. it, get, it changes as time goes. 
but it is kind of dark in some ways because of the. I mean, there's dark and then there's melodramatic. But this is see, this is why I don't like talking about my opinion <laughs> on The Walking Dead because I know people have very big oh opinions my. about it, and you are welcome to them. But I, I actually I just started watching Z Nation, the sci-fi show, much yeah, lower budget. Yeah. But I really I really like it. I haven't I haven't finished the first season yet because it's kind of gory and I tend to watch stuff while I eat and it's not exactly the best <laughs> thing for that. But no, I've been really liking Z Nation. I like that they have like a specific sort of goal. Like I like that the the show has a trajectory. I, I always felt like The Walking Dead, and I, I know this is sort of the point, but like yeah. that it was sort of stagnant in a lot of ways mm. because they didn't have a thing they were doing. And I like that Z Nation sort of immediately centers itself around like a common goal even if that shifts and changes and there's like plenty of things that happen within the story that aren't necessarily linked to that the fact that the entire show as a whole has sort of a trajectory kind of is something that i am looking for more oh very cool yeah um, you, you so up like in cool terms things. of zombie shows that's that's my that's my pick for that nice zombie yeah. movies definitely a fan of uh shawn of the dead and zombie oh, land yeah. Oh, good. good. Both solid comedic takes on the zombie genre, which are, are definitely more in my wheelhouse in terms of uh, enjoyment. And I honestly, I don't watch that many movies. I, I know that's like not cool to admit, especially as a screenwriter. Sometimes but it's um, hard my, to find a time. Well, it, it, I mean, it's not because I watch probably seven hours of television a day. Oh, and that's yeah, not right. a, an exaggeration. Right. <laughs> but like right. television is this type of storytelling that I am most compelled by. I, I would Ooh. rather watch seven hours of a TV show than watch two hours of a movie right. in most cases. Like unless there is a specific reason I'm watching that movie or I'm going out to a movie, I probably won't do it because there are so many great TV shows out there. Yeah, I agree. My favorites would have to be in order. Buffy, of course, mm-hmm. pinnacle of, of, television forever yeah uh gilmore girls veronica mars scrubs and then you know i've got a bunch of 30 minute comedies and also the recently jane the virgin and crazy ex-girlfriend on the cw oh they're good cool they're oh they're so good like you wouldn't expect it like not you know not to to rip on cw because they've been coming out with some excellent programming recently but jane the virgin and uh, crazy ex-girlfriend are two of the most unique hysterical shows i've ever seen that make me laugh and cry within the same like 10 minute span and it's completely like 100% genuine like they are shows that commit to their insanity and their premises so well but in a way that doesn't feel like cheap or corny okay like everything they do feels earned and it feels motivated Mm -hmm. from like a very kind of deep place in both character and plot and i i I have so much respect for the creators of those shows and the and the actors who portray them so genuinely and honestly so like those those are two like right now shows that i've been watching that i am super into oh very cool Oh, and also i zombie because oh yeah zombies which is coming back soon yeah it's coming very exciting yep yep cool okay cool yeah you got okay you you pick you got some cool points there for you know, Z Nation. <laughs> that's good stuff. And I Zombie. That's that's yeah, cool. Well, I mean, yeah. I Zombie is Rob Thomas. You yeah. Know, uh, can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Party Down. Veronica Mars is solid, solid television right there. Yeah, yeah. By the way, do you like stuff like Twenty Eight Days Later? No, I have heard from even from people who have worked on my Zombie show with me. Like, we need to have a zombie movie night so you understand what the genre is. I'm like, ah, I've seen Edgar Wright movies. Like, that's that's enough. That's all I, need. <laughs> I got it. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, what's been the most difficult part of your journey thus far? And I know for a lot of filmmakers, you know, it's often the financial aspect of it, but kind of curious about that before we start talking about brains. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in terms of filmmaking specifically, money is definitely a, a problem. But I would say the 
the earliest, like the first major problem that is still occasionally rears its head for me is just inexperience. I mean, I didn't, I didn't take any film classes. I I took the, the one film class I took in college was video activism, which is like we were paired with a nonprofit and had to make a, a video commercial for them. But most other people did like the technical stuff. I just sort of like held the camera occasionally. Yeah. So I'd never taken a film class. I had no vocabulary for, you know, what the different roles on set were, what the different language on set was. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't know what a producer did. Like, yeah. even now, I still have kind of a, a hard time differentiating, like, what a producer does or what an associate versus executive producer does, what a line producer does, like, all those things. Like, there are just so many, so many things about making films that I don't know that don't come naturally to me as a, as a thing to consider when putting a, a production together because I just don't have the context. And, uh, and that definitely was, was hard when we first started out because we the summer that we made the first season of my show, Brains, we were also filming two other web series mm, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was producing all of them and I had like several different roles on all of them and I had never fulfilled any of these roles before. I was exclusively a writer up to this point. Oh, uh, yeah. Gotcha. So I had, I was, I, you know, I, I got pushed into the deep end immediately. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was, it was definitely difficult just because, mm-hmm. you know, I thought being a, an intelligent organized person that I would be fine, you know, I'll figure it out. Like how hard could it be? Yeah. Very, very hard. Spoiler yeah. alert, very hard. <laughs> and, um, and so that was definitely sort of a, almost a culture shock for me in terms of like, gotcha. wow, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. And it's a problem that I don't know it. Gotcha. You know, it's, right. a, it's a problem that I didn't consider this yeah. kind of stuff. So that's probably been my my biggest struggle. And I, you know, I, I feel like I've grown a lot in the kind of two years since I've started doing indie film. But um, but I definitely know I have a lot, a lot to learn, especially as I move into directing, because, you know, directing is a whole other game. <laughs> and yeah. Like you, you really do have to consider everything. And there are things that I don't even know to consider let alone like how to factor them into like my process. Right. It's cool that you just dove right in though. And, you know, are kind of uh, taking a bull by the horn for lack of better mm-hmm. words, you know, that's, that's <laughs> the best way to go about it. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. And I think no matter where you're at, you're always constantly learning in this, in the industry. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just like anything else. I think you just grow, but you got to take steps and then leaps and then hops and then skips. And after yeah. a while you're really running some, it's, mm-hmm. it's all a process. But I have to talk about brains here. You know, it's the <laughs> web series you created. It's super duper cool. I, I've got to know where that inspiration came from. And can you tell mm-hmm. our listeners sort of what the series is about? So our, our general uh, one sentence tagline for the show is a show about love, friendship, neuropsychology and zombies. And basically the premise is a, uh, a college student who's uh, majoring in neuropsychology studies brains. Hilarious, right? That's <laughs> mostly entirely where brains came from is like, I thought it would be funny to have a, a character who studies brains yeah. dealing with creatures who eat brains. That's literally it. And then everything else was <laughs> nonsense that I layered on top of that to make it worth my while. Yeah. But yeah, so this, this college psychology student uh, has survived a zombie apocalypse, uh, which is, you know, sort of in the stages of winding down now that humanity has sort of gotten a hold on it again. You know, obviously the population has been decimated. Uh, so she survived by staying on her college campus with a lot of fellow students and faculty. And now that the apocalypse is winding down, she's like, all right, cool. We've killed the zombies. It's time for a boyfriend. Because she <laughs> she's the kind of person that has like, you know, she's one of those like, I have a five-year plan and I'm sticking to it kind of people. Mm-hmm. So her timeline got all sorts of out of whack with this whole apocalypse nonsense. But now that that's over, she's like, all right, I got a new five-year plan. I have found the boy. Now I just need to make him fall in love with me. My goodness. And so the, the story is sort of about this girl struggling for control in a world that's completely out of 
control while also being a little concerned because the object of her affections might actually be a zombie himself. Yeah. In my world, <laughs> if a zombie eats enough brains on a consistent enough basis, they can appear as if human. The only difference being that they're undead and uh, they eat brains they eat instead brain, of right. other things. Right. Right. I mean, what's funny. Well, first, I've asked you about like your knowledge of neuroscience. Is that something that you had always been interested in? Where did that come from? Because that's funny because it struck a nerve with me because that was my major when I first started college and I oh, switched no way. it. Yeah, it was for about two and a half years. I even worked in a research lab where I was cutting human brains oh, and all dang. kinds of different brains and rat brains and all kinds of skin <laughs> that's mice. That's so funny. Yeah, so it's, it's cool that when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley because... You know, it's it's very familiar. So it's a really That's clever so tying the two together, by the way. That's super clever. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah cool. it's the only smart thing I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> so I uh, so the first psychology class I took was, was in high school. I took an AP psychology class and mm -hmm. just really liked it. You know, I liked the idea of just figuring out like why we thought things. Like I just thought it was such a cool sort of course of study. And then I didn't take a psychology class ever again i think mm, yeah. but my roommate and best friend from college i lived with him for three years and we're still very close he was a neuroscience major oh wow cool. double major actually yeah. so so i knew he did it but honestly most of the the science and the psychology of brains came from the concept that i wanted a girl who studied brains to be in a world where monsters ate them mm. so i just did a ton of supplemental research like i sort of had a general idea of what the story was going to be and like how the zombie science worked and then from there anytime it made sense to bring in her knowledge of psychology to like either use it to manipulate someone into falling in love with her or manipulate somebody into like seeing her as trustworthy or whatever you know whatever she was doing i did wow. specific research based on the thing i needed her to find science to support because she's the kind of person who's like, because she's, you know, she's got her whole plan and yeah. this is my fiber plan. This is m what my life's going to look like. She doesn't like it when people deviate from that plan, when people don't kind of go along with her puppeteering. Mm. So she <laughs> often uses psychology to kind of nudge people back on track. And also she uses psychology to like justify her actions in a way. Like sometimes she'll make decisions that are, you know, kind of not great, but she will justify them with psychology and, and think that because she's being so pragmatic and scientific about it, nobody can fault her for it. Nobody can call her out on it. Mm. Of course, that's not how human behavior works. Right. Uh, so that's kind of why she's a, a scientist more than like a behavioralist. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like most of the science was just I, I knew the concept of the show and then just did a, a bunch of research. Yeah, it's interesting because I knew the science of the show. But also, when did you come up with that that sort of through line for her? I mean, she's got a pretty thorough story arc there. And it looks like mm -hmm. you did a, quite a bit of you know character development there. Uh, prior to which came first mm -hmm. did you have her pretty much locked down in your writing process and everything that made her who she is or makes her who she is and then did you start to build the story around that you know what's funny is so the the concept of brains happened when i was still in college so five or six years ago and mm -hmm. it was originally a play with totally different characters and then i had a vague idea of her because i'm always a fan of stories of of characters who are in sort of fantastical situations who do not give a crap about the fantastical part oh yeah like people who have like very like grounded normal human problems in yeah. like an insane world mm -hmm. you know it's the kind of a reason that i love buffy so much is because you know despite everything at her core she is a 16 year old girl yep. who wants normal 16 year old girl things and yeah. you know and i always really appreciate that kind of story 
storytelling because I think it's more fun than people being like constantly surprised like oh my god zombies are a thing like yes they're everywhere <laughs> get over it <laughs> like I'm still a person and I'm going to react to this like a person yeah <laughs> walking dead so uh, <laughs> so I had that kind of attitude in mind and that attitude very much informed Allison but honestly a lot of Allison's sort of arc came out after we started filming uh, because my director, Andrew Williams, who uh, was a fantastic director, he directed both of the seasons except for like two or three episodes in season two when we let other people direct. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. But when we were filming the pilot, you know, I was doing my, in the pilot, if you have not seen the show, you should watch it, brainswebseries.com. Um, <laughs> I, my character basically gives a, a pretty long like vlog style monologue about, you know, about like the concept of the world and who she is and that yeah. kind of stuff. Cool and, approach, uh, by so the way. You, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, very much inspired by like Lizzie Bennet Diaries kind of stuff and ah, Frankenstein MD. I yeah. was a huge fan of those. And I and I felt like that was finally the format that I needed because I'd been wanting to tell this story for so many years. Like I had written it as a short story and gotten that published. I'd written it as a play and gotten that performed. Yeah. But, you know, I, I hadn't quite gotten it to where I wanted it to be in web series and blog in particular seemed like the ah, perfect way to do it. But I that's see. off topic. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. But no, so so Allison, my character, spends most of the first episode entirely alone. Like she doesn't interact with other characters. So obviously uh, there was a challenge in that where, you know, we were sort of building her from the ground up. And so I had written in a lot more like ums and like uhs and sort of the the kind of language that was less for a woman who was less sure of herself. Ah, okay. And while we were doing the pilot, my director was, you know, stopped me during one of my my readings. And he was like, why is she unsure here? Because based on all of her sort of plans that I know that she's going to have throughout the rest of the season, she doesn't seem very confident, uh, but I feel like she should be right. Yeah. Like she is a person who has done a lot of thinking and research. Why is she unsure? And I was like, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> and so from that moment cool. on, like, you know, the writing changed a little bit. Like it was more of tweaks because she was almost there. But that one moment of like, why is she unsure or insecure about this? Like this, you you can't be insecure and come up with a plan this complicated and this insane. Right. And I was like, you're absolutely right. right. And so like that kind of that direction when we were doing the pilot kind of clarified who she was in my mind. And from then on, it was she's like the easiest character in the world to write stories for because I know exactly oh, cool. how she's going to react in every moment. I've actually written all six seasons of Brains. Yeah. We're never going to film them. Yeah. But I've written six seasons. Seasons and basically, I actually just finished it a couple weeks ago. Working on it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I finished it. And like writing her arc was always the easiest part of writing those those later seasons because once I I kind of knew what kind of person she was, once I clarified that with her attitude and with that kind of small but very significant piece of direction, from then on, like you give me a situation and I will tell you exactly how Allison Sumner reacts to it. Like she, I have her down. Is there a little bit of you and her? Oh yeah, absolutely. She's me. If I made slight worse decisions <laughs> like <laughs> we're very similar in some ways that are actually a little bit uncomfortable you know because my my director is also my roommate and that can get tricky not a bash on him at all it's just you know when you're two people that spend all time together yeah. like you're gonna fight a little bit and so sometimes he would have to direct me as allison in a scene that was sort of reminiscent of a problem that we were having oh and that was always kind of awkward because it's like yeah this this is literally a problem you and i are having and actually sometimes that that made it better because talking about it in terms of the characters would allow us to sort of clarify how we were feeling in real life which was oh, nice, nice but yeah. it was a little bit awkward sometimes when you know we would, <laughs> we would be having an argument and then we would do a scene where i was literally having the same argument with another character we're like ah. oh this is a very weird situation to be in Gotcha, gotcha. Allison is me if I had no inhibitions or anxiety. Mm. She's very much like a, she makes a decision and she sticks to it and Mm. she can justify it 
with science and with pragmatism and <laughs> with anything that you throw at her, she will stick to her guns until she physically cannot anymore. Ah, so, gotcha. Okay. It's kind of cool to know. By the way, what made you approach from a found footage standpoint? It's a cool. lot of it was the, the Lizzie Bennet diaries sort of inspiration. Like I yeah. liked the way that that, informed the storytelling mm-hmm. also i was a you know a youtube blogger for for many many years before we started filming and so it was a, a format that i was very familiar with and I, I thought it was cool that you could tell a story like that and because it, it felt so personal and also right. i think it's the closest that you can get in film to a first person narrative yeah absolutely. because like when i was a prose writer i i think i maybe wrote one thing from third person but it always felt awkward it always felt like i was trying too hard because like my my entire strength as a writer, I feel, is sort of my voice. And it's hard for me to have a voice when I don't have a point of view. Oh, uh, you yeah. know, and, and I really do need that that first person point of view, because if I don't really get in there and understand what they're doing and like feel it from their perspective and write mm-hmm. from their perspective, it just falls flat for me. So wow. I think found footage was very much like the most natural thing for me to start out with in terms of uh, script writing because it allowed me to have a very sort of singular point of view. And that also ended up informing a lot about Allison's character and especially moving into like seasons two through six <laughs> with <laughs> no one will ever see. But, but the fact that she is making videos becomes incredibly important to the plot and it becomes important to like who she is as a character, why she continues filming becomes a big sort of plot point. And, you know, eventually it, it, it becomes very much like a part of who she is and and the and what she does with those videos and who she chooses to take videos of becomes very important in terms of the way that the story is structured. But yeah, but at its at its inception, it was just it felt like the most personal way I could tell a story, and I really liked that idea. How intimate of a story that that you know would inherently be. Right. Gotcha. By the way, now you you know from a production standpoint, I want to talk about that a bit because you ended up making this with your classmates. I know you mentioned that earlier and. Like, mm-hmm. How was that process for you, too, as well? Everybody kind of came together, I bet. And you probably yeah. had some difficulties there, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're always going to have difficulties no matter what, but especially when nobody's getting paid. Yeah. And everyone's just like mm-hmm. there on faith because like they want to do you a solid. So the pilot episode was filmed for a class. So technically, I wrote the full script of Brains because I knew the semester after I wrote it, we were going to have a digital media class where we would be expected to write a show. Or actually, I, I found out later, we only had to write the pilot and then like a, an outline of the rest of the series. But mm. I'm an overachiever and a crazy yeah. person. So I was like, no, I'm going to write the whole thing. And I'm going to write nice. it a semester early. So I'll already have it done. And then oh I can my. do other stuff next. Time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, which is exactly what I did. Right. And so uh, the only thing we had to do for class was after we wrote the first episode and like the season outline, we were supposed to produce the first episode because they they wanted to sort of give us an idea of like the nuts and bolts of what goes into making something. And I for sure think it's important for every writer to be on a set at some point to kind of really understand like, yeah, this one page of dialogue, you know, might have taken you a day or two to write, but like actually watching it come to life, there are so many things that you don't consider when you're yes, just a writer. A great point. There are so many parts of the process that like you cannot even fathom. And it completely changes the way you write once you see what goes into it in some ways for the good and in some ways you know for the not so good but i I do think it's a valuable experience for a writer to sort of see how something goes from page to completion and like see every stage of that and like truly understand like what the process is so that was what they wanted us to do so we all filmed everyone in my class filmed a pilot episode of their whatever web series they wanted to make and we you know we were all kind of helping out with that but Mm -hmm. since i was one of the few people who had actually written a full series i was just like hey does anybody want to do you guys want to keep working on this with me and they were like yeah sure why not? And like they knew before we did the pilot that I intended to do the full season. So when we cast people for the pilot, we were specifically like, you understand that we're 
more than likely going to film the rest of this this summer. We will work with your schedule, of course, but we we are definitely intending on filming the rest of it. And they were like, uh, yeah, cool, gotcha. we're in. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So we the only person that we ended up casting, like traditional casting, posted a backstage post and everything uh, mm-hmm. was Damien. Mm-hmm. We had a guy playing Damien for the original pilot, but he had to drop out for a lot of reasons. And so so Marshall Taylor Thurman, who plays Damien, who's one of my favorite actors in the entire world, he's yeah. the only person that we did a traditional casting process with. He was just someone who happened to respond to the ad and uh, was our favorite auditioner by far. And yeah. so, so he he came in as sort of like a an island which and, and i know it was awkward for him he's mentioned it to me before he's like yeah i came into this production that had already shot like an episode and a half and like everyone already <laughs> knew each other i was just like this random dude who was here and i'm taller than everyone and i like yeah. and i'm younger than most people so i don't know what to do but no he was he was fantastic i'm actually very grateful for the person for dropping out so we were upset at first but mm-hmm. then when we got the opportunity to cast this super awesome dude i was like no this is the best possible like outcome of this whole terrible situation. Yeah. The loved one things work like that, you know, it's cool when they, mm-hmm. they work. Out yeah. Like you, it always feels like your world's falling apart, but then like you, you actually do the work and get out of it and realize that you come up with something way better or, you know, you all come together because of this crisis and like you're closer than ever and that kind of stuff. Oh, it's great. That's what it's all about. This uh, filmmaking mm-hmm. thing. And Brie, I think this is yeah. a good place here to take a short break. So I want to give you a chance to reset and also give our <laughs> listeners, you know, a chance to uh, reset here. Because I do want to pick your brain, pun intended, about Yay. the uh, rest of this. Uh, some, some more questions about this web series when we yeah, for sure. return from a break. So, uh, yeah, let's take a short break here and then come back and uh, chat it up a bit. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right, folks. So we're going to take a short break here and then we'll be back with more of Brie Castellini after this break. Do not go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. to the cinema after dark podcast we are continuing a wonderful discussion here with miss brie castellini and my goodness i am really uh enjoying this conversation here about brains such a great title by the way i have to tell you i, I uh, thank really, you it's simple but perfect in every single way and i think it's one of those situations where less is is more i love it <laughs> I really want to talk about you know, some of the, uh, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, these productions or whatnot. I think there's a lot of things that go into them, especially web series that people create on their own as independents. And I know crowdfunding was certainly something <laughs> that you pursued. And I know there were some obstacles yep. <laughs> during the, uh, you know, the campaign or whatnot. Can you talk about that experience a bit? Because... And I'm just going to be brief, but I kind of want to talk about that and some of the obstacles you guessed as you were Mm -hmm. diving into this whole uh, campaign here because, yeah, it wasn't easy, right? No, no, it was (laughs) not. Uh, And both times, circumstances outside of our control forced us to sort of start them before we were ready and carry them out when we did not have the time to. Like the thing that people, I think, 
don't know about crowdfunding if they've never done it is that it is literally a full-time job. If you don't treat it like a full-time job, you will not be successful. And even if you do treat it like a full-time job, you still might not be successful. (laughs) It's a very fickle process and it's very frustrating. And it's, yeah. But yeah, both times we had circumstances outside of our control that that hurt us. Um, Not as, that's not an excuse for why, you know, they, they both yielded not that much. Our second one yielded a bit more. We had more donations for less amount of, for less money, which was nice because it meant that more people were invested in the project at that point. And we did have more people who we didn't personally know who donated, which was very cool. But of course, you know, filmmaking is very expensive and we definitely needed every single penny we got out of it. But I will say that probably the thing that we struggled with the hardest in terms of like challenges that came with crowdfunding beyond the fact that it's crowdfunding and it sucks is that in order for a crowdfunding campaign to succeed, you really need as many people promoting it as possible. Right. And apparently a thing that a lot of people do is they write it into the contracts for the people who they bring on board for, you know, actors and and crew alike. Uh, We did not do that because that just didn't occur to us. One of those things that you don't really realize until Mm -hmm. you haven't done it, but we did not get a ton of support from, uh, especially that continued support in terms of promoting the campaign from uh, our cast and crew. Hmm. And we did manage to pay our cast and crew a little bit for season two. You know, we really wanted to make it clear that the second season was a step up from season one in as many ways as we could make it. And so even though what we made in the crowdfunding campaign sort of went directly back into the pockets of the cast and crew, a lot of them didn't help us promote, which, you know, I, yeah. I definitely feel hurt us in a lot of ways. And that's not at all shade against my cast and crew. They are wonderful people, but it's not their project. And, you know, uh, unless you give them very specific instructions and like make it a, an understood responsibility, that's not something they're naturally going to do. And that's yeah, totally true. fair. Mm-hmm. And that's why people put it in contracts. And that's why people generally try to lay it out a little bit more clearly. And so I, I wish I had realized that right. before we had done it, especially the second time, because we did have our, our full cast already kind of put together and they were all people who were coming back for a second time. So that meant that they were sort of extra in, invested, which was really great. But yeah, we, we really needed more support throughout the campaign instead of like the hurried like post at the very end, like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this thing. If you want to give us a dollar or two. Right. Like, yeah. Could you not have done that two weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> when we, you know, we were in the swing of things. Yeah. So yeah, that was definitely frustrating and probably one of the the, the biggest sort of detriments to our being able to raise you know more money is the the fact that we just did not have the promotional support of other people on the team gotcha i had emily best on from seed and spark and she spoke about this and it's a really good podcast you should check it out when you have some free time definitely check it out emily best it's a really really good podcast and she really broke it down in terms of you know some of the difficulties that folks face and some of the challenge you know some of the challenges and also uh some ways that you can get the most out of that whole crowdfunding mm-hmm. campaign. So I think it's a really intimidating thing. And I think it's one of yeah. those things where everybody's trying to figure out how to do that or do it properly. And right. it's challenging, but I definitely think all hands have to be on deck for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, uh, it's something you sort of uh, learn in time. I think, I don't think everybody sort of knows that. And then again, mm-hmm. even, even folks that do know that still, I don't think have the most success. So there are some that do, and I think a lot, of, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 thing, but That's I think it's generous. complicated. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to do that. a generous <laughs> split there. <laughs> but it's complicated. And it depends on the crowdfunding campaign that you do, too, as well. Mm-hmm. I know at Seed and Spark, sure. they do a lot to really help filmmakers pursue it properly. Yeah. Some crowdfunding sources are, you know, not so hands-on. 
So yeah, it's funny. I I didn't know that Seedens Park existed until like literally a month and a half after our most recent crowdfunding campaign. Oh, like I, I found yeah. out about them and went to a seminar that they held for the the Digital Caucus for the yes. Writers Guild of the East. Mm-hmm. I nice. went to one of those because it was like open to non-members, and I you know so I went to it, and that's kind of when I discovered what Seedens Park was, and I was like, I'm so mad I didn't do this. <laughs> like yeah. what a much better platform for us. Oh, oh yeah, such a bummer. So yeah. yeah, ever since, even though I've never used them, anytime anyone asks me for crowdfunding advice i'm like go to seaton's park hell yeah i've never used them but i've seen enough people being successful through them i've seen enough of their platform to know that like they are definitely a much better option for filmmakers specifically because it's a filmmaking specific site you know they Mm -hmm. it's built for filmmakers and there are a lot of sort of nuances in their platform that i think yeah are uh, are particularly fantastic oh yes so so true and emily's badass too by the way she's just badass (laughs) awesome she's got a good vibe about her she's all about the filmmakers and getting it done so Good stuff. By the way, how were you able to kind of cut down costs when you were writing? Did you just write with your locations in mind? Because you, if you approach it differently, I mean, if folks are going to watch this, you're not going to be watching, you know, a zombie apocalypse. And no, you know, no, it's very, it's very consciously afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. very consciously after the worst of the apocalypse is over. Right, right, and and it's it's a little different. It's it's certainly more about I think the characters than it is about. Mm-hmm the world around them to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to they, be fair, season three has a 15 page battle sequence at the end and season yeah. four is a, an apocalyptic road trip. So like, you know, if I make a million dollars between yeah. now and like two years from now, <laughs> yeah. you will definitely see some more zombies on screen. But right. yeah, for the two seasons that exist, there are not a lot of, you know, big environment shots. It's definitely more about the students and school and their relationships with each other. Yeah, which I think is cool. You know, it's a different approach to it too. And probably one that's obviously more cost efficient. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah. But in terms of writing, yeah, your your question about that. Yeah, and did that limit you or did you already have that in mind going in? Well, it kind of goes back to that inexperienced thing where there's a moment in the script where it says there are 200 other staff and students behind her in one shot. My director was like, there's no way in hell we're doing that. We don't even know 200 people, let alone that all live in New York and will show up at the same time. Mm, So like first draft of the script is definitely not as cost effective as the script ended up being Mm. (laughs) just because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, And, Mm. and I and I actually I didn't write it intending to make it. I wrote it intending to get a good grade on an assignment that I knew was coming eventually. Ah, like it, it, And it was yeah. actually written sort of with the uh, kind of topography and environment of my undergraduate college in Oregon in mind. Gotcha. Because that's where the original play was written. And yeah. so a lot of things were sort of specific to that campus and like what we had access to on that campus. So a lot did have to get adapted uh, once we, we realized we actually wanted to make the thing. So yeah, so I will say that like in terms of... Sorry. It's cool. That's Very a, that's New York City environment that. there. I absolutely love that. I did not love it when I was filming and I was out <laughs> in public and I was like, it's an apocalypse, people. Can't you be quiet for 10 minutes to get this scene? So that was definitely very frustrating <laughs> to keep like clearly not apocalypse survivors out of shots. When we had to do the exteriors. <laughs> we were filming in the middle of Prospect Park in like awesome. spring and summer. It was, you know, beautiful locations, yeah. but very hard to sort of keep it locked down in terms of what we needed the yeah. look of the of the show to me <laughs> that was cool. that, See, that was definitely I love that kind of hard stuff. yeah 
That's what makes it fun though, doesn't it? I mean, that's absolutely. I mean, it's definitely fun once you've kind of thought about it, but like at the moment you're, you're just like, I just need to film this scene because you know, two of my extras are getting antsy and one of my actors has to leave (laughs) by two 30. And like, I have, I have exactly 45 minutes to get like eight pages of scripts. filmed. (laughs) 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 Like everybody needs to calm down and leave me alone. But yeah, so the, the first the first season definitely wasn't written with filming in mind. Second season definitely was. But even once we had like kind of locked the scripts and locked like locations and, and shooting days and all that kind of stuff, we still had major changes on the days depending on, uh, you know, just a lot of considerations for production. You know, we had one day where one of our actors was like throwing up. Oh. So we had to wrap him as quickly as possible. So we sort of had to he like. He got bitten by of, the ears. No, yeah, he got, yeah, he had some, <laughs> some rough stuff. It wasn't. Uh, um, and yeah. he, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite the zombie that time. Turning into the zombie there. That's the first stage. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so he was sick. And so we had to kind of film some some parts of the scene very differently than we had planned it. And we had to kind of like remove him from the scene early so we could kind of get him back to somewhere where, you know, he could kind of like relax mm. and stuff. Yeah. You know, it was still, it was super cool of him to come to set. You know, we definitely needed him to because it was a really major shooting day, but we definitely did sort of change things on that day to make it wow. easier for him. So he didn't, you know, overexert himself or throw up on camera. Oh yeah. <laughs> was not exactly the moment for that. Yeah. Shout out to and him then also, Yeah, no, shout awesome. out to Colin Hinckley. He and I are actually writing a script together right now. He's Ooh, one of my favorite yeah. people of all time. He's fantastic. You were the real MVP. Colin oh, Hinckley. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like that kind of thing would happen or, you know, somebody would need to leave earlier than expected. Oh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. we would need to sort of restructure the scene around them. Sometimes we would get to a location and it either wasn't available or no longer looked the way it did when we were scouting. Uh, yeah. So we would have to sort of make changes on that. So like the brain script was almost never locked, truly. Like yeah. I learned very quickly that I couldn't be precious with things because, mm-hmm. you know, when you have no budget, when you have exactly this moment to film it and then never again, it's like we, we're, we're going to get what we get. You know like, what, though? Th- <laughs> I, just interject here because I think that is... TV writing and even film writing in general. I mean, mm-hmm. you got a locked version, but it always changes and evolves. And I think mm-hmm. TV is so much more because even you talk about Walking Dead, I know you're, but I, I got to talk about <laughs> it because <laughs> the scripts have changed so much over the course of the series. And mm-hmm. you know, you're always changing things. Sometimes fans want things to go a certain type of way. Sometimes producers, yeah. people change their mind. Sometimes you've got production exactly. issues that force you to make changes. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the fun and cool part about filmmaking i think it evolves and the, the process kind of evolves over time so it's it's interesting, yeah, exactly. interesting hearing about that <laughs> you know your uh, <laughs> yeah. sets and how that kind of manifested itself yeah we had a uh, one scene in particular the first zombie kill of season one our, our character carl kills a zombie with a baseball bat originally it was scripted that he had a gun mm, uh, and yeah. we'd actually gone and like gotten like a fake gun for him to use but like by the time we got to set we were you know in the middle of prospect park there were all of these families around and we were like all right we're really not comfortable pulling out a fake gun in the middle of all these people like <laughs> even though it is clearly a yeah. film shoot you know we've got tons it's of people tricky. and cameras and yep. like a zombie guy around we're like we can't do this yeah so we like literally within 15 minutes had blocked out a like Total baseball sequence. bat stunt oh like nice. we had we yeah. had things in the in the grass to like mark where they could stand thankfully oh, wow. my, my director andrew had stage combat experience oh, yeah mm. so you know so he could block that out a little bit but like it was very on the fly like we have to coordinate a very dangerous stunt in 15 <laughs> minutes because one of the guys had to leave uh. 
right after we filmed that scene. Craziness. And we've wow. got all of these families like right behind the camera, like all these little kids watching us film this scene. And they were so excited. And so they were, you know, screaming things like, yeah, kill the zombie, yeah. which is very cute. And it gave us a lot of great energy. Like the everyone was having fun that day. But then, you know, editing was a little bit of a nightmare having to edit right. out children screaming. Children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was very fun on the day. A little <laughs> bit more frustrating in post-production. Right. But yeah, that's definitely one of the examples of like, I actually think that stunt ended up cooler because we did that kind of visceral baseball bat kill. But it was something that we we coordinated in like 15 minutes because we we, nice. we realized we cannot be in public pulling out a fake gun. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> that's not, a, not, that's a not something that we can do. Right. Now, what part of this creative process did you like the most? I mean, writing will always be my first love. Yeah. Like, actually getting to like do the story was so much fun. Season two, I will say my favorite thing to do is I, I actually got to direct an episode this season, mm, yeah. which is very fun. It was the first time I got to do that. There's an episode yeah. that my character is largely not in. Uh, and so that's the one that I, I decided to direct. And it was so much fun. And as soon as I did that, I was like, I, I have to direct more. I have right. to direct more things because oh, yes. I, I really loved like, because it, it's almost like writing, you know, with actors. You know, it's, 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 it's very, it's, and, and I never, because I, I had, very little knowledge of how films were made before this. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that that's the kind of control that a director had. But yeah, it was very much like, you know, I'd written the script and I cared so much about these characters, but then getting to like sort of watch actors go through the journey in person was like almost getting to rewrite it and see them sort of collaborate with me in the writing like right. on on the day and in the in the scene. And that was that was so incredible to sort of get to be a part of. That's awesome. That's funny because in, in the uh professional crazy world you know that is tv production it's crazy because mm -hmm. the uh you know obviously the writers it's all about the writer but then you know when it comes to the execution the director is more like a puppet and the showrunner actually runs the whole thing <laughs> so for mm -hmm. the most part of these tv series so it's it's interesting how things play out over time but i think one of the yeah, things definitely. That's, that's cool about it is especially with tv versus film is it's really it's really for the writer i think the writer's mm -hmm. vision is really how that whole thing is executed and how it plays out. So it's really, really cool hearing Absolutely. some of your ups and downs and uh, <laughs> I don't know, these kind of creative challenges that exist too when you're creating Definitely. something like this. It's really awesome. Does this have a message? Always wondered. <laughs> Brains? Yeah. I'm one of those writers that like, I can't have like a theme or a metaphor when I go into it because yeah. then I overthink it and it becomes very like not subtle. So yes and no. Like, no, in the sense that I did not write it with an idea. I just thought it would be cool to have a, a sassy girl who didn't care about the apocalypse, who studied brains around zombies that ate brains. Gotcha. That was like, that's literally why I wanted to write it. But like, as, as I, I developed the story and as I got more comfortable with the characters so that I could sort of think about thematic stuff, mm -hmm. it very much did become about control and like mm -hmm. the different ways that people deal with being in or out of control or losing control or trying to regain control and, and how different people sort of react to like the chaos of things not going as planned. Oh, good point. Right. And like losing control over their own narrative is something mm -hmm. that definitely comes out further in, in later scripts because, you know, people start noticing when people realize what Allison has been doing with all this footage, like you've been secretly filming me for three years, <laughs> like putting it on the internet, that's messed up. Right. And so that sort of like loss of control over their own story becomes sort of a big theme. So yeah, so I think I think definitely control sort of became what it was about mm -hmm. and the way that Allison attempts to control 
her friends and her life and her friends relating to her life and the narratives around their lives and that kind of stuff. Like the fact that she wanted to control all of it yeah. to sort of fit in the box that she had planned for herself. Ah. And then how that spectacularly blows up in her face. Yeah. That definitely was, was something that became the theme, even if it wasn't the theme in the, the onset. That's good that it evolved it that way. I think that's a logical and probably a really, really good approach from a character mm-hmm. standpoint and from a story arc standpoint too, as well. It's so important for character development to have mm-hmm. that kind of conflict there too, as well. A little adversity got to have that. So. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Now you're working on two spinoffs. Uh, so actually they're already out. Oh, cool. um, the two spinoffs. Uh, yeah. So we, we, we call them the extended universe yeah, <laughs> because it's, like it sounds like the, like the Marvel extended universe yeah. and it, you know, <laughs> Makes me seem way more important than I am. But they have been, what am I talking about? I'm definitely important. Indeed. So the extended the extended uh, universe projects. It's a it's a mini series and a short film. The kind of idea for them is that uh, I came up with the kind of the concepts around the time that we were like midway through filming season two when I realized that there were where there was almost no way that we were going to film a season three. And I was really bummed about that because, you know, I had already written so many scripts and I loved this world so much. So I was talking to a friend of mine. He lives in Wales. He's someone that I met mm, actually cool. through YouTube. Wow. So, you know, that's a, a connection to brains in and of itself. And so he and I were talking and he was like, I, you know, I'm loving brains. It's so cool. If you guys ever need any like thing from here, like I've got a, a bunch of friends who do film and I do film. So if like you ever need footage in Wales, like I'd love to, to yeah. send that to you or whatever. Oh, and I'm cool. like, well, I don't, I don't know what I would do with that. But what if we did a spinoff? Like, what if what if you filmed sort of a small in-universe story that was like connected to the main series? And so he really liked that idea. And so and then I remembered that my little brother, who recently moved to L.A. because he's a he's more of a technical side of filmmaking, but Mm, he's like a director and cinematographer and editor. He's doing the freelance PA and AD sort of Mm -hmm. thing in L.A. right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know he has a lot of film equipment. And I knew so I knew he was available so basically i i came up with a bunch of ideas for other stories that could exist within the the universe of brains and how they would connect to the main series yeah and so then i wrote a short film which is sort of like a mini faux documentary that my brother out in la produced and then me (laughs) and my friend uh, rj from wales co-wrote a mini series that uh it's three episodes and it takes place in wales and so both of them have zombie characters both of them are found footage and both of them cite Allison and her main videos from the main series as sort of the inspiration for making their own. And yeah, and so I basically wrote or co-wrote the scripts Mm -hmm. produced from afar, but mostly just let the two boys kind of do their thing with their own film crews and processes. And I just sort of gave notes on edits and things like that. And then, yeah, then they came together and it was super, super cool. That's super cool. By the way, how long does it take you to write generally? Like your writing process, are you really quick with it or... Yeah, I'm I'm generally pretty quick, especially once I have like an idea. Like today I I wrote a full like four page sketch that came out of nowhere. I wrote it in like 20 minutes. Um, Like I'm I and and, like I wrote season three of Brains in less than a week. What? Yeah. Fantastic. But, you know, it, it takes me a little longer to plan them, especially Brains, because like you know, once it got past season one, it got very kind of plot heavy. And I, I, mm-hmm. I started to need to like deal with other characters arcs who weren't as clear to me as Allison. So like that, it, like the planning t- stage took a little bit more time, but the actual writing, I'm, I'm a very quick writer. Like that's, that's kind of always been my thing in yeah. school and in art is like, I'm fast at first drafts. Like I'm very, very nice. quick. I was always a fast test taker. I was a fast essay writer and wow. I'm a fast just general writer. So yeah, yeah. It, it, if I know where I'm going or if I know at least enough of where I'm going, I can can write pretty quickly That's and then it'll cool. 
depending on how bad it is the first time around, you know, I'll go through edits. But once somebody gives me a full sort of understanding of edits that I need to look for, then that doesn't take me very long either. And I can just go for it. Nice. By the way, do you use a certain software or do you prefer like syntax code like Fountain or do you go at it straight into the uh, screenwriting programs and applications or do you? So I, I write my outlines generally in uh, in Google Docs just because nice. I can access mm-hmm. it from anywhere and I can easily like send it to people so we can like be on the same page when I, I'm kind of like plotting it out in my head and I need someone to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And then originally for my for my program, for my grad program, I had to buy uh, Final Draft yep. and I like mm-hmm. Final Draft a lot. But once I, I got a desk job, instead of being a barista, I started to have a little bit of time to write at work, like yeah, in between awesome. kind of assignments and yeah, stuff. So I couldn't <laughs> do Final Cut because you can only have Final Cut installed on one computer at a time, even yeah. under one account. So I started using this program called Writer Duet. Oh yeah, I love Writer it Duet. Is, yeah, that's a good program. I love it too. I have like yeah. I now that's my primary writing tool because yeah. I can write no matter where I am and yep. I don't have to like send myself versions of the script. Exactly. Like I know it's it's specifically for like co-writing to make co-writing easier. Yeah, and I've used it a little bit for that, but it's also just a great cloud-based script writing con yep. program because it's fully compatible with any of your standard like desktop based yep. script writing processes. But also, yeah, it's, it's totally available no matter what computer I'm on. And so like, I don't have to, for, you know, remember to email myself the most recent exactly. draft of whatever I'm doing. Yep. And you can access so, yeah, it. Writer, writer duet is my, thing of choice cool good stuff now i've got to do something here to you brie oh no okay i kind of want to do this to you first because i've (laughs) it's one of those things i mean you create this wonderful web series and you know i um i just got to do something here you know you you ratted on my show walking dead (laughs) uh, oh i've got what's coming to me yeah this is this is one of those things i've got to do to you but i'll tell you this i do this to all of my guests so you know, I'm not discriminating here. I'm just, just so kind of saying I'm not special, Max. Is that what you're saying well, to me right now? You are to a degree because, <laughs> because there's a little bit of vengeance in me to get this out and to do this because of what you said about walking dead. That's so, fair. I, I know, accept my fate. I've got to, I've got to do it. You know, just because got of a bone that. To pick. Yeah. I got a little bit, just a little bit, but you created this awesome, you know, web series. So I can't, <laughs> I can't be too picky with it, but, uh, got to do this to you. But, you know, I'm going to give you an option. To opt out if you want to opt out. No, man, lay it on me. Oh, my. So you dive right in. I mean, I'm a girl putting content on the internet. If I can't take a a little bit of a hit, like I should not be here. Like I cannot be precious. Like I cannot be in an industry that requires other people to view things that I create and like have a a thin skin about it. Lay it on me, man. All right. So you ask for it. Well, Mm hmm. Oh, that no, is. no. No. Theme music. <laughs> oh, no. Indeed. What's this happening? Is the uh, part of the show where a zombie. No. <laughs> where, <laughs> where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. Now, Bree, this can't be just like any other fun fact. This has to be a fact that people don't know about you. So, a fun fact that people don't know about you. So, somebody listening to this has to find out something. New and the floor is yours. I'm gonna put the spotlight on you right now. Wait, Fun is fact: the, Is this the bone picking segment? I know, right? Isn't that? You, you think talking about myself is hard? <laughs> please, please, Max. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is gonna be hard though, because I'm like I've been on the internet for 
over 10 years and I am very prolific. Oh, I talk wow. constantly. <laughs> so there is not much that you cannot find out about me. <laughs> much of the chagrin of my parents uh, about my general safety. <laughs> oh my. Oh boy. Let's see. Something, I guess, something that I haven't talked about in a long time. So if you wanted to find it out about me, you'd have to dig pretty far back into the the depths of my internet history that I used to be a fencer. Oh, I used to, I used nice. to do sword fighting. I did that for about three years. Really? Uh, I had all the gear and I was actually pretty good because it's a, it's a kind of, it's a sport. I've never been athletic, but I played a lot of sports as a kid. Oh, uh, I played yeah. basically all of them under the sun, but it's because yeah. I'm very competitive. Cool. Uh, I like to win. I like to crush people. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I like fencing because I liked fantasy. Oh, I see. Yeah. Of course. You know, zombie is kind of natural progression of that. But no, I, I really liked the um I liked fantasy novels and I liked that kind of stuff. And so I lucked into a sort of random one off fencing class, yeah. fell in love with it and did that for about three years. Wow, wow. Something that you want to get back into, you know, as a sort of like um, a hobby there? Maybe I, I mean I'd love to. Fencing is so much fun and it's yeah. they they call it like chess like a, a physical chess because yeah. it's so much about like reading your opponent but the problem with fencing is that it's uh it's pretty expensive because there's oh, so much that. equipment that mm -hmm. you need like you need very specific like kind of clothing yeah, underneath the there's very specific like magnetic vests that oh. that you need to wear like there's different kinds of vests depending on what style of fencing you're doing because yeah. there are different parts of the body that are like off limits depending on what kind of, of fencing you're doing like sometimes it's just like the torso wow. sometimes it's torso and arms mm. so yeah and then, then you're also like connected to a bunch of wires that kind of that. feed into the sensor that tells you if you've made a, a good hit, a bad hit, or if you what? hit first. Um, so yeah, so there's like a there's like a lot of technology. It's super cool, but it's yeah. very kind of complicated. And so you ha you need like a very specific place to do it and a bunch of very specific equipment. Huh. And so it's hard to kind of casually get into. It's not like a basketball game where you can just pick up a basketball and like, yeah. you know, play around. Like it's, it's very, very kind of high tech huh. in order to do it really properly. So like in addition to it being expensive to get like all of the equipment again, it's just hard because you, you have to be in a very specific place. That's I see. like set up literally for fencing. So of course I would love to, but it's not the easiest thing to sort of go in and out of in terms of a hobby. Gotcha. Interesting. Pretty cool fun fact there, though. That's a uh, pretty random. Yeah, that was that was good. That. Did I do good? Yeah, yeah, I like that. It was good. It was good. <laughs> you know, I tried to get you with that, but you, you know, you. Yeah, well, it, so. I mean, I, I was anticipating so many things. <laughs> it's all about. I'm the anticipation. still anticipating you, it. You can do you know whatever it you want. Whatever. <laughs> you know how it is as storytellers. It's all about the anticipation, right? Yeah. No. No. That was good. You had me. You hey, had I me get, going. I got to work on my payoff, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got. Uh, I think you need a scarier voice when you, you get to the. You got to reveal something about yourself. Like it, it needs to be like a, I'm about to be voted off the island kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I borrow that. I like that. Ah, uh, goodness. Now we are approaching <laughs> the uh, the end of the podcast here, but I've got to ask you about Ace and Anxious. You know, the short mm -hmm. film screenplay about an asexual graphic designer with generalized anxiety disorder. Can you share a little bit about that project, you know, for our listeners yeah. too? And uh, so it's actually it's not just a screenplay anymore. Yeah, it's, a, it's a full full fledged film. Yeah, yeah. Are you when are you uh, shooting it? Uh, we've actually we've already shot it. It's our oh, it's out did? to festivals now. Oh, man. good stuff. It I didn't like, know you uh, went out with that. Holy crap! Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. My. Well, it happened very quickly. Yeah. I wrote the script while we were still producing Brain Season Two. I sent it to a festival just sort of because I had a, a coupon to it. Got into the festival and I was like, well, shit. I guess I'm filming this thing now. Nice. So we filmed it in uh, September because the actress that I wanted for the lead was moving to LA in October. So I was like, it's now or never. Oh, I guess it's stuff. now. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So I finished post-production at the end of January of this year. So I, I've like very recently started sending it out to film festivals. So I won't hear back from those for a while. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a completed film about fourteen cool. minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's just like a, a weird little comedy about a girl who places a free sex ad on Craigslist yeah. because she thinks it might help cure her anxiety. <laughs> That's it, a very it's good, actually uh, just yeah, a, it's, it's it, very fun. Uh, I actually line. used research from brains in it because there's a study about rats that Allison tries to tell Damien about in season two, episode two, and mm-hmm. she's like, she gets real ramped up to tell him about the study, and then he cuts her off. But I think the study is really cool. So I was like, I need to figure out where to put this study now because I can't put it in brains. But right. I have this like bouncing around. And it's basically this study about there was a bunch of, of rats in this study and some of them were kept like apart and celibate from each other. And some were allowed to like have sex. Yeah. And <laughs> the ones that were getting some more regularly were uh, exhibited less stress behaviors than the ones uh, who were kept celibate. So like, you know, it's a pretty direct link, like yeah. having sex helps reduce stress yeah. and anxiety. And, uh, and so I was like, I wonder what a person who doesn't have sex would think of once they discovered this, like, would they feel gypped? That's clever. Uh, and she does. She, she feels like, Hey man, what's, <laughs> what's the deal? Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I've got my whole life being stressed out, but maybe it's just because I'm not having sex. Right, right. So she goes on this kind of comedic hunt for, for sex. and um, That's a great, great uh, storyline. It's a good plot. I like it. Yeah, thank you. And I, yeah. I'm really proud of it. And the script won Best Short Screenplay at the New York Shorts Film and Screenplay Competition. Right, right. So that was a really cool really thing. Um, so I, I, I get to tell people that. that I'm an award-winning screenwriter now. <laughs> it's very fun to say. I was just going to ask you about that experience. Cool, good. Yeah. And uh, Godspeed with that. I'm kind of curious to see Thank you. what ends up with that because that's it's pretty cool. I remember seeing the uh, trailer for it, so mm-hmm. I didn't know you had uh, gone live with. I knew it was coming soon, but I didn't know you had uh, got it out there and were. Mark, yeah. Nice. Good deal. It is. It is out. It is. It is ready for the world. Oh yes, indeed. Nice. How many festivals did you uh, submit it to? Uh, so far, I, something something like ten. Cool. Um, I did a bunch of research because since like the little bit of a fan base that I have is predominantly online, yeah. I was trying to specifically submit to festivals that didn't mind if you had. Uh, premiered quote unquote oh, online yeah. or somewhere else. Cause there yeah, are some so festivals important. that are like very locked down about that. Like yeah. you can, we, you, it has to be us or no one. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. And I knew that eventually like not anytime soon, but eventually I wanted to put it online. And so I wanted to make sure that the festivals that I was submitting to were like legitimate festivals, but also ones that were a little bit more flexible and would allow me to maybe eventually make it available online for like the audience that I kind of already have. Oh, cool. Good deal. Yeah. Well, Godspeed with that. That's pretty fun. Thank you. Very Very excited about it. My directorial debut and a traditional film debut as well, since it's uh, not found footage. Yeah, good deal. By the way, anything else in the oven there? Any other cakes in the oven? We should look at <laughs> so many cakes. Um, so I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of flippantly, but a friend Colin Hinckley, uh, he played Carl in season two of Brains. Yeah. He and I co-wrote a, a horror screenplay together. Okay, cool. A short film as well. So we're hoping to shoot that sometime in September or October. Okay. Because a lot of our actors are out of uh, out of commission during the summer, so they're all doing summer stock stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. so we have a script that's almost complete that we're uh, we're hoping to film then. I've signed on as a, a producer for a bunch of, of other web series cool. uh, as I've kind of made the rounds in the web series community. So they're not things that I wrote, but are things that I'm kind of helping out with because I like the people or I like the scripts. Yeah, cool. I'm working on developing a new series because most of my connections are in the web series community, but yeah. I know that I can't make more brains just because of money. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of kicking around a lot of things that cool. I definitely want to film at least one more short film 
and at least like the pilot episode of a new web series by the end of the year. Because oh, uh, I, I, I'm definitely feeling like antsy because I, I, I got that app, that time hop app oh, yeah, that tells you yeah. what you were doing the in the years past. Yeah. And all I've been getting recently is like, Rain season two is about to start filming. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything now. And it's like, it's making me antsy. I'm like a year ago, I was having so much fun stressed out and making rain season two. Now what am I doing? <laughs> At least it's not a sex app. Oh my. That's true. That's true. Then you'd be anxious and anxious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh my. Well, I tell you one thing, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast and you know, telling us all the, you know, kind of the inner workings of what goes on here with these web series. It's really fascinating to me. As a yeah. creator myself, I really find that fascinating in the whole process. And it's cool that you've been able to really get one rolling and or on yeah, some thank really you. Cool thing. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's been a real treat here. And before we wrap, feel free to plug anything you wish, websites, Twitter, <laughs> you know, Facebook, whatever. How can folks All right. stay in touch? How can they find me? It's very easy to find me on the internet. Like I said, I've been on here for over 10 years. If you Google Brie Castellini, you will find literally everything I've ever done. Yeah. I am Brie's own world, B-R-I-S, own world on all the major platforms, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, etc. I would say Twitter is the best place to hang out with me because I am always on Twitter. And that's not a joke. I'm literally always on Twitter. <laughs> it is the best. It's, it's the, the only place. It's how I found Max. It's yeah, how I found yeah. like a ton of new friends, like Twitter is my place, so come hang out with me on Twitter. You can That's also awesome. see a little bit more about Brains at brainswebseries.com. All the stuff is there for you to see and enjoy, and all of my stuff that is related to or unrelated to Brains is at brecastellini.com. Fantastic. But honestly, if you just if you just Google my name, you will find me, and uh, you will be uh, horrified at how much there is. So I <laughs> hope you enjoy that radical, my friends. That's pretty cool, though. It's good that you have a online presence. I, I yeah, think I've got a footprint, a all right. You got a very big footprint. It's a, <laughs> a size 15 there. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Call me fat. Wow. Oh, no. Rude. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. It's all good. I think you, know, you could have a big foot and you could be as thin as a stick and have a size 15 foot. Although That's that, true. That'd be kind of be a very weird looking yeah, that'd person. Be weird, though. Yeah. So I think it fits perfectly. <laughs> Pun intended there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I uh, love that. Now, is there any advice that you would like to share with someone that might be listening to this broadcast who may want to do what you're doing right now? Maybe they don't have the resources, you know, or maybe they just need the encouragement. Is there any advice you give that individual? First of all, I'd say nobody has the resources. Even if you have a billion dollars, you still don't have the resources. That's They're, so true. That's so, so you, true. If you want to make something, make it. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not time or that you should wait until you have more money or more experience. The only way you get experience is if you just do the thing. So if you want to do the thing, do the thing. It might suck the first time, but you did it and you should continue on because the only way you're going to get better and the only way that you're going to like get started is if you get started. Oh, so true. That is the truth right there, folks. And Brie, I want to thank you again for coming on this podcast. And uh, Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a blast. It's been my pleasure. And uh, God, you're very inspiring. You know, you're a content creator. You're somebody who's out there making it happen, which is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, it is not. It really isn't. So, uh, yeah, I would love to bring you back for an update here in the near future. But I think it's time to fade out here. What do you think? I think I am cool with the fading. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brie. Castellini, my goodness, check out Brains, folks, if you haven't done so already. 
my gosh, check out this other wonderful film when it drops here and uh, probably catch it in festivals, hopefully coming up here soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fingers crossed. You know, fingers crossed. Knock on wood, you know, eat, eat a little brains there. You know, whatever <laughs> we got to do. It's been a pleasure having you on this program. And on that note, we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole and I host this show and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time tonight. I want to remind everyone that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe to us there. Greatly appreciate that. Obviously, please spread the word about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Again, thank you all for listening and we will be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the program here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Miss Brie Castellini. What a wonderful discussion that was. Again, make sure you check out that Brain series. It's certainly a little different. It's a cool, rather unique approach there on the zombie franchise. So I, uh, I liked that conversation. It was really unique. And I'm looking forward to seeing what she's got going on next there over in New York City. Most importantly, I want to thank all of you for tuning in tonight. Obviously, this show does not exist without you, the listener. So please continue to spread the word about this show. You know, tweet it out to someone. Show someone how to follow us on Twitter. Show someone how to access this podcast. I would greatly appreciate 